the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. We are to look forward to this coming judgment because out of the flames of this fire will emerge a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. That's what he says in verse 13. But according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, so Peter is telling us to look forward to this. This is something we really ought to be excited about. This is something we ought to think about daily. This is something we ought to make sure uh, affects the way we live. We're not to become so attached to those things that are very, very temporary. They will all be burned up. Everything you see as far as matter and the universe and our world and man's accomplishments will be going up in flames only temporary. Therefore, our, our focus then should be on eternity and the righteousness which will permeate and characterize that new world order. So how should we live? Expectantly. Many people throughout the ages have tried to calculate when Christ would return. The year 1844 was one popular estimate. That year is now known by one group as the Great Disappointment. Why didn't God tell us when Jesus would return, or at least make it possible to predict the date? It's because that uncertainty is an encouragement to us to live expectant and godly lives. Between the unknown date of Christ's return and the unknown date of our deaths, we ought to be highly motivated to live holy lives every day. Each of us is one heartbeat from standing before the Lord. Some of us dread that prospect, but it doesn't need to be a fearful event for anyone. If we are fully devoted to God, it's a day we eagerly anticipate. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Our instructor is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside, and now his expository or Verse by Verse messages and practical applications are available over the air as well. As a matter of fact, Application will be our main focus today and during our next two broadcasts. We have been studying 2 Peter chapter 3, which is about the return of Jesus Christ. Today's class is the start of a three-part message which concludes this study series. Over the past few weeks, we have discussed the return of Christ and the cataclysmic events that will occur at the day of the Lord. We've heard how we can be confident that it is not a hoax, it will happen, and how we can answer those who mock this important doctrine. We have also heard now and then how those coming events ought to affect our lives. Now, over these next three lessons, we will focus more intently on how the knowledge we have gained from this chapter should influence the way we live and pray. If, like me, you like to follow along in your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Here is Pastor Steve with today's lesson. Someone once asked Donald Gray Barnhouse, the well-known pastor and Bible teacher, they asked him what he would do if, if he knew that Jesus Christ was coming tomorrow. Now, that's a good question. 
That's a good question for every one of us to consider. If, if you knew that you had only one more day on earth, and that by tomorrow you would be standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, what would you do? Well, some people might say, I'd witness to everybody, especially family and friends, neighbors, loved ones. I'd witness to them. Others might, might say, I'd make sure that all of my sins were confessed. I'll tell you that. Someone else might say, well, I would certainly make sure that there is nothing that separates my fellowship with another believer. I'd make sure that everything is right between me and, and every other Christian. Now, do you know how Dr. Barnhouse answered that question? It might, it might surprise you. He said that if he, if he knew that Jesus Christ was coming back tomorrow, he wouldn't change a thing today. He said he wouldn't do anything different than what he had planned to do. He would, he would go about his normal daily routine. Now, his answer may surprise you, but it's really a very biblical approach to the second coming of Christ. Because the Bible commands us to live each day with the attitude that Christ could come back for us at any moment. So what Barnhouse said was really true. If we have that attitude of expectancy, then we shouldn't have to do anything different. We shouldn't have to change a thing because every day should be lived as if this was the last one on earth for us. So perhaps a, a better question would be, would be this, would this way to, to present it. Knowing that Christ could come back tomorrow or even today, how does God expect us to live today? Now, that's a very biblical question because that is, in essence, what Peter asked and presented in 2 Peter chapter 3. So let's look there. 2 Peter chapter 3. The chapter is about the second coming of Christ, judgment, the judgment that will come when he arrives, but also a judgment later on at the end of the millennial kingdom. And in the midst of all of this, having told us in verse 10 that the day of the Lord will come like a thief and that at the end of the kingdom, all of the physical universe will be burned up, Peter then states this. It's worded like it's a question, but it's more than a question. It's really a challenge. He says, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And we've been looking at this question and the answers for the last few weeks, because not only does Peter ask this question, not only does Peter say, how then shall we live? But Peter actually answers it for us, because in the verses following verse 11, until you get to about verse 15, Peter tells us the specifics of how God expects us to live in light of knowing that judgment is coming. He told us in verse 10, judgment is coming. In verse 11, he says, how shall we live? Beginning with verse 12 until the beginning of verse 15, he tells us about four qualities that ought to characterize our lives. How should we live? This is how we ought to live. And I'll quickly review the first two, and then we're going to finish up looking at the second two qualities of, of life this morning. First of all, our lives should be characterized by expectancy. How should we live with expectancy? Verse 12 says this, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. We are to look forward to this coming judgment because out of the flames of this fire will emerge a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. That's what he says in verse 13. But according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness 
dwells. So, so Peter is telling us to look forward to this. This is something we really ought to be excited about. This is something we ought to think about daily. This is something we ought to make sure uh, affects the way we live. We're not to become so attached to those things that are very, very temporary. They will all be burned up. Everything you see as far as matter and the universe and our world and man's accomplishments will be going up in flames. Only temporary. Therefore, our our focus then should be on eternity and the righteousness which will permeate and characterize that new world order. So how should we live? Expectantly. Secondly, our lives should be characterized not only by expectancy, but by godly activity. Now, there are some people when they think of the return of Christ, think that it's a time to really sit back and do nothing. We're just waiting. And we're not to really be active. And there have been cults that have done that. There have been cults that have gone up on on mountains and and the people quit their jobs. They closed shop and they just waited for the Lord to come back. That's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, the Bible condemns that kind of attitude and laziness for when the Lord comes, we ought to be busy at work. And in verse 12, Peter tells us what we ought to be doing. Verse 12, after saying looking for, he says, and very easy to overlook this expression or this word, and hastening the coming of the day of God. Now, last week we looked at this, and I confess to you that I don't understand it, and I can't reconcile God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. I know of no one who can reconcile that except God, and he hasn't explained it to us. He's just presented it in Scripture. But what this verse is teaching, that without denying or violating God's absolute sovereignty, without denying that in any way his sovereign control of everything there is a sense in which our obedience to God's commands of evangelism and praying for the lost in some way speeds up or hastens. And that's what that word means. Hasten means to speed up, accelerate the coming of God's day of judgment. That somehow in his sovereignty, he has factored in our behavior and our response in determining when the elect will come to Christ. And here's the point. The sooner the elect come to faith in Christ, the sooner he will return and establish his kingdom. And the sooner the kingdom is established, quite frankly, the sooner it will end. And the sooner it comes to an end, the sooner God's day of judgment will arrive. But we are to be active in evangelizing. God is sovereign, but he has never chosen to bypass the human agency of sharing the gospel and praying for the lost. You have come to faith in Christ because somebody prayed for you. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Somebody, some human instrument was was involved in your conversion. Now you may say, but no, no, no. I read the Bible, that's all. Well, who wrote the Bible? God is the primary source of it, but God used men to write it down. So in some way, a, a human was, was involved in this. And so uh, what, what he is saying here is that we are to be active in evangelism and, and praying for the lost and, and uh, missions in some way that we are to be well aware of what's going on in the world. And in that sense, without completely understanding it, I tell you, in that sense, we can hasten the coming of the day of God's judgment. Now, that's where we left off last week. We're to be active. We're to be involved. But this morning, we want to finish our study of uh, what sort of people ought we to be by looking at two more qualities that should characterize our lives. How should we live in light of the the coming judgment? With expectancy, involved in godly activity. Number three, you're taking notes. This is where we, we start this morning. 
What sort of people should we be? We should be a people characterized by personal purity. Personal purity. Verse 14, Peter says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him, that is by Jesus himself, in peace, spotless and blameless. Peter starts off this sentence with a very important word, which is easy to overlook in, in Bible study, not only here, but any time, but it's a very important word. And it is the word therefore. Therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to ask, why is it there? What, why did, what does he mean by this? What is meant by therefore is this, that God demands a response to what he has taught about the future. It demands a response. That's why it's there. Whenever, you, whenever a Bible writer uh, uses the word therefore, he is using it to make a valid application. That's just a helpful thing in Bible study. He is saying, look, I've taught you this and I've, I've revealed this to you. Therefore, based on what you now know, God demands a response. It's an application word. And so Peter is, is telling us we must apply what we have learned in the previous verses. And what has Peter been teaching us? What is therefore look back at and therefore always points back to something and then says, based on this, do something. He's pointing us back to all that's been said about future judgment, the judgment of fire, and especially the coming world of righteousness. Because he goes on to say, notice in verse 14, says, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, since you look for what things? Coming world of righteousness. Since you look for these things, Peter says, since you look for a world of righteousness, you ought to be righteous right now. If you're anticipating that, if it's a reality to you, then you must live in a righteous way, a righteous lifestyle. If we say we're looking forward to the time that there won't be any sin, then we need to start practicing a righteous lifestyle right now. That's a good point. How can we claim to want a world of purity and righteousness if we willingly go on living our lives that are the opposite of that? But what did Peter mean in these verses? How do we do it? And what does a righteous lifestyle look like? Pastor Steve will be right back to explain that in just a minute. We're going to take a short break to welcome those who just tuned in and then get right back to our study. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's Bible Class of the Air is the first part of a three-part message that concludes our series of lessons concerning the return of Christ. Our main text is 2 Peter chapter 3. If you are new to the class and would like to go back and hear the rest of this series, stay tuned at the end of the program, and I'll give you the web address where you can find our archived lessons. Now, let's get back to the classroom. Pastor Steve, or maybe I should say Coach Kreloff, has more to tell us. So, what are we supposed to do specifically? What does this entail in our lives? Let's read on in verse 14. We're just going to analyze verse 14 and really uh, tear it apart and put it back together. He says, that we are to be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Now, the first thing Peter tells us about our behavior, this, this righteous behavior in light of a righteous world coming, is something that really doesn't come naturally to us. Something, he says, you need to work at. And how do we know that? Because he uses the expression, be diligent. Be diligent. What does diligence mean? I mean, it means to make an effort. It's discipline. 
It's discipline. That's exactly what the word diligent means. Peter says in light of of the future world of righteousness and the lifestyle of righteousness that God is calling you to, it means that you must make an effort to be godly. Holy living demands discipline and hard work. One of the great truths of the Christian life, and one that I must admit not every Christian believes or understands or even acknowledges, is that if you are to grow in Christ-like character, you need to be disciplined. I love what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That word uh, discipline there or exercise yourself is, is the word that was used of gymnastics or gymnasium. And what Paul is saying is just as an athlete trains and exercises, so we as believers are to have that same kind of commitment to, to be disciplined for the purpose of godly living. You know, um, when you see a great athlete, like someone competing in the Olympics or, or, or someone in competition, we all marvel at that, how, how they can do some of those things, but we don't see what goes on behind the scenes. That didn't come naturally to them. Yes, they have certain God-given abilities, but I guarantee you that they have put in hours and hours and hours of training that you and I know very little about. They have sacrificed sleep. They have sacrificed eating certain foods. They have sacrificed relationships with others, all for the purpose of gaining a medal or some momentary uh, glory. Peter says, all the New Testament says that we are to discipline ourselves for the purpose not of a, of, a, of a crown that fades, but for the purpose of godliness. And there are many Christians, I said, who do not believe that. They have a, another view of uh, what we would call sanctification or how to grow. It, it goes something like this, uh, just kind of let go and, and let God take over. Now, there's a truth to that, but that's not the whole truth. You don't just let go and let God. God tells us to be disciplined. God tells us to be diligent. God tells us that we have to make some effort. And I believe it's a false view of the deeper life of the, of the Christian faith to just say, well, God's going to do it all. God's not going to do it all. And, and one evidence is this, is Peter says that we are to be diligent. We are to be diligent. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to make an effort. Now, the reason that some people don't like the, when they hear the words effort and discipline and diligence is because it sounds like it's just sheer human energy. You're just going to grit your teeth and with all the willpower that you have, you're going to make this thing work. That's not what the Bible teaches. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. And I know I have shared this with you, but uh, we have so many new folks at Lakeside that we need to go over this again. And uh, quite frankly, even though you've heard this before about from what I'm going to go over with Philippians, in Philippians, uh, we always need to be reminded of this. I need to be reminded of this. All of us do. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says in verse 12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed. So Paul's commending them for their obedience. The Philippians, for the most part, were a very obedient, wonderful church. He says, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He says, I know that when I was with you, you were working hard and you were, you were obeying the word of God, but now I'm not with you, so you still need to obey. And then he says, a, a phrase that has confused some, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, some read that and say, wait a minute, 
I thought the gospel says that you can't work for your salvation. Why is Paul teaching that we ought to work for our salvation? Well, look at that again closely. He's not telling us that we ought to work for our salvation. He's telling us to work out your salvation. In other words, the salvation that you already have, work it out. Work it out in real life. God has given you the salvation. He's simply saying, live it out. Live it out. Well, how do you do that? Verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. It's not up to you to come up with all of the the, uh, energy and resources and willpower to do this. God is at work in you. You're not on your own in the Christian life. And what is he doing as he works in me? Here's what he's doing. Both, first of all, to will. That means God gives you a desire to live a godly life. God gives you a desire to work on the things that you need to work on in your life. You've got uh, improper speech. You realize you gossip, you complain. God is going to is the one giving you a desire to make changes in that area. You got a problem with morality? God is the one who desires, who's putting that desire in you to change. That's just part of being a Christian. All Christians have that desire. Some a little stronger than others, depending on how much they they allow the Lord to work in them, how much they're taking in of the Word of God, how much they're allowing the Spirit of God to deal with them in conviction. But first of all, God is at work in you both to will. He gives you the desire and to work for his good pleasure. He gives you the strength. Not only do you have the will, the desire to do it, but he gives you the ability to obey. That's what he means by by to work. God gives you the desire and the strength to obey him and to do it for his good pleasure. So God is the one at work. You're not, you, when, when Peter says diligence, he's not talking about just uh, with all the willpower you can get, muster up and, and just, just do it. He's not saying that. He's saying, yes, you put energy into it. Yes, you, you do it, but you're not on your own. He'll supply the desire and strength, but we have to put some effort into it. God's not going to do that for you. What kind of discipline is he talking about? Well, like reading and applying the word in your life. Like making sure you're at church and in in a fellowship group. Like spending time in prayer. Like evangelizing and like dealing with your sin. Those are the disciplines that are required to grow. So, to go back to 2 Peter. What have we learned from Peter so far this morning? We've learned that because there's a new world of righteousness coming, we should be diligent to live righteously right now. We don't wait. We don't say, well... Since I'm going to be righteous for all of eternity, I don't need to be righteous right now. If we are truly eager for something, it's hard to hold us back. If we're genuinely eager to be pure, we will start right now to discipline ourselves and grow in holiness. No, we'll never achieve sinlessness in these mortal bodies. But the passion for purity will drive us to exert ourselves in setting aside the sin that so easily entangles us. We should be like a hunting dog who's on a leash, tugging and pulling in anticipation of being released to run free. The dog can't run free until it is released, but it puts out all the effort it can anyway. In a similar way, we will not be perfect until we get our resurrection bodies, but we make every effort to move toward that goal. We're glad you could join us today for Verse by Verse. It's a Bible class of the air led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been teaching since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
If you're in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning and looking for a place to worship, we would invite you to visit Lakeside. You will find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road, midway between U.S. Highway 19 and the beaches. Pastor Steve's messages are now available to a broader audience through these daily radio classes. Verse by Verse Ministries oversees the production and distribution of these lessons, and it is a faith ministry made possible through the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. If you would like to hear today's class again, it is available for listening or download at our website, versebyverseradio.org. To hear previous classes, click on the archives link. We also offer a free podcasting service if you want to make sure you catch all the future classes. There's also a link for those who would like to subscribe to our complimentary newsletter. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's lesson was the first part of a three-part message. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order an audio CD. The number again, 727-441-1714. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you'll never have to face judgment for your sins. But there is still a judgment in store. Join us for the next verse-by-verse to find out what it is and how it can help us be more righteous. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.